You're listening to episode number 92 of the Tailwind Coaching Podcast. Welcome to the Tailwind Coaching Podcast. The only podcast on the internet that makes real science real simple. From Joes to pros, we've got the tools to make your cycling goals a reality. And now here's your host, Coach Rob Manning. Welcome back, everybody, to the Tailwind Coaching Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that makes real science real simple. I'm your host, Coach Rob, and I've got a great show for you today where we're actually going to talk about returning to cycling after an illness. First, a couple of quick announcements. Tailwind Coaching website, blog, online training plan store, and my episode show notes receptacle are all available at tailwind-coaching.com. And if you really want to get announcements about what's going on at tailwind-coaching.com, new post alerts, coupon codes, training tips, all that kind of good stuff, you can sign up for the Tailwind Coaching newsletter at tailwind-coaching.com slash sign up. Don't forget to head on over to iTunes, rate the podcast five stars. There's a link in the show notes, which just by the way, you can find at tailwind-coaching.com slash 92. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can find me at my email, coachrobdc at gmail.com, coachrobdc at tailwind-coaching.com, or you can follow me on the website, tailwind-coaching.com. Just head on up to the website on the upper left-hand side. You'll find a couple of different ways in the menu bar to follow me. And if you want to give back to the podcast, do your Amazon shopping with one of my links through tailwind-coaching.com resources costs you nothing, and it does help support the show. It helps to keep the show free, paying for hosting, bandwidth costs, all that kind of stuff. And finally, of course, if you're a regular to the show, you'll know you can take 10% off anything in my online training plan store with the discount code PODCAST10. That's PODCAST10 at checkout. And again, of course, the episode show notes for this particular podcast will be at tailwind-coaching.com slash 92. Now, today's podcast is actually quite near and dear to my heart. I've got a number of you who've been asking, where have I been? Where's the content been? You guys haven't heard much of me since around October of last year. And um, I'll be honest with you, a couple of things happened there. And, and I'm going to take a, a little bit of a tangent here. So if, if you want, you can just fast forward through this and you can uh, find the content and the meat and the potatoes of this one. But I'm just going to chat for a couple of minutes here. Near the end of last year, we we did uh, a couple of gravel events. I spent a lot of time last year riding gravel, and um, I kind of closed out my season at Unpaved Pennsylvania, which, by the way, was a fantastic, fantastic event. I'm going to have a podcast coming up on what makes a good gravel event. Gravel seems to be the order of the day right now, and it's a really nice change of pace from the standard constant racing training paradigm, but I digress. Life, stress, all that kind of stuff got in the way. At the end of October last year, I decided I was hanging up the bike, and I was going to hang up the bike for a good couple of months and just relax. Pursued a few other interests in my life. I basically did a little bit of other training. I focused on enjoying things like coffee. I returned to brewing beer again, which is something that I haven't done for quite a few years. And to be honest, when the grind of race day training comes along and, and you're on the bike for four days a week, you're in the gym for the other three days a week, you kind of lose sight of the other things that are important. You know, simple things like taking a walk to the park and playing fetch with the dog and things like that, that sort of fall by the wayside. Fast forward, December came around, the holidays hit. Of course, during the holidays, especially in 
any kind of business, those of you who are business owners, you will know this, the holiday time gets very hectic, you kind of run out of time to do anything. Instead of returning to training around December, I started in January. I had intended to do the entirety of the the, the Zwift um, racing thing, whatever it was, the Tour de Zwift, as a good motivator to try and get back on the bike. That was all well and good. I got two stages knocked out of that and was feeling pretty good. And then I came down with what I thought was a head cold and a chest cold. That ended up being a bronchitis, which lasted about two months, you know, six to eight weeks overall. Um, Now it's the end of March. I'm just getting back to that. So I've been back on the bike a few times. It's certainly not the same. Um, It sucks losing a couple of months of training time, to be honest with you, and a couple of months of riding time. The weather here in the Northeast has been pretty shitty, to be completely honest with you. The, um, it's been windy, it's been cold, it's been very, very wet, so it's not even been uh, the ability to get out on a mountain bike and enjoy that either. So, yeah, I've kind of been stuck inside, and I hate being inside, despite the, the wonder that is Zwift. Um, I haven't been doing a whole lot of riding or a lot of anything else. I have been doing a fair amount of one-on-one coaching with... Uh, quite a number of clients. That's been taking up a bit of time as well, but um, I'll be honest, I did, there just wasn't much motivation to talk cycling. Um, Milano San Remo was yesterday. I got really excited about that. I got really excited about Strada Bianchi, and uh, that sort of rekindled the passion a little bit. But So those of you who've been wondering, that's kind of where I am. And today's podcast is actually really near and dear to my heart because returning to riding after illness and returning to your cycling training after illness is something I've had to deal with in the last few months. So get to the meat and potatoes of this one. Yeah, I know. We're talking. I get it. Let's get to it. What do you need to do to return to your training after you've been sick for any period of time? Well, number one thing that you have to consider And this is something that I've talked to my patients quite frequently about. I do see a lot of patients who are cyclists, runners, and other kind of endurance athletes. Returning to your training, whether it's running, whether it's cycling, anything else, but specifically we'll talk cycling, depends on the length of the the illness. It's very simple. If you have a stomach bug that lasts a day or two, does that keep you off the bike for weeks? Feasibly, no, unless you end up in the hospital dehydrated and, you know, going down the worst case scenario. No, you don't. Now, if you have bronchitis that lasts for six weeks, are you off the bike for a significant amount of time? Sure. Does that change how you return to training? Absolutely. Absolutely, it would have to. So, let's take a couple examples here. I can use this actually from real life experience. I had a patient come in not too long ago. The cyclist has a lot of miles in. Okay, So far, I think through March, he said he had about 550, 600 miles, which is pretty solid for a couple of months in Pennsylvania here where we really had just complete shit weather, to be honest with you. I take a sip of coffee here because I'm starting to get excited again. He had a head cold and he said to me, Doc, I've got this head cold. I'm kind of stuffy. I'm blowing my nose a lot. I've kind of got this congestion in my sinuses. What what do I do? Do I should I jump on the bike and go for a ride, or should I just hang it up for a little while? What's well, a head cold? Doesn't affect your ability to breathe, except through your nose. It's not affecting your lungs. It's not affecting your cardiopulmonary system. So sure, if you want to train through it, go ahead and train through it. 
In reality, most of the misery that comes from something like a head cold or a sinus infection really comes from the sinus pressure, from the stuffed up nose, from that kind of thing. As I said before, it doesn't necessarily affect your ability to breathe. It doesn't affect your ability to get oxygen into your lungs and transfer that oxygen through your cardiopulmonary system into the rest of your body to your working muscles. It generally doesn't affect your ability to heal that infection. It doesn't worsen that infection. If anything, the increase in blood flow that tends to accompany increased exercise volume may help to flush out your sinuses a little bit. How many times have you gotten on the bike, whether you have a little bit of allergy or a small you know, head cold, something like that, and suddenly you start blowing out nasty snot rockets all over the place? Hopefully you're not doing that inside. Your significant other probably wouldn't appreciate that. Although there have certainly been times where you can blow it into the crook of your arm and just wipe it on the towel that that's gross. Never mind. Never mind. I digress. If you've ever had that kind of seasonal allergy, head cold type thing, you go out for a ride and you can suddenly, suddenly seems like you can just blow it all out. It's a case of that increased blood flow to the rest of your body, whether it's just your legs or anything else helps loosen everything up and helps get everything out. So in a way, potentially, riding with a head cold may actually help clear out all that crap a little bit faster. So not necessarily the worst thing. Consequently, had that patient come to me and said, hey doc, listen, I've got this tightness in my chest, I'm coughing up some green nasty stuff, and as a sidebar, the color of the stuff you're, not, you're coughing up or sneezing out generally doesn't have any indication as to the source of an infection, whether it's viral or bacterial, it's just nasty colored, be that as it may, but I digress again. Patient comes to me and says, Doc, I've got that tightness in my chest, I've got that productive cough, I'm coughing up stuff, should I get out there and should I train? No. General rule is, if you have symptoms above the, ne the neck, you can go through it. If you have symptoms below the neck, you need to consider taking a little bit of time off. See, chest colds like that can become a bronchitis or a pneumonia situation. Right? Hard efforts like that, increasing the blood flow throughout your body for something like that can create an increase in the mucus production and the the serous fluid production and all that kind of stuff in your lungs. There is a potential that it increases the intensity of that particular infection. All right. The other side of the coin, a hard, particularly hard interval effort will knock your immune system down. And if your immune system is literally trying to fight off something that has infected your core, that's inside your lungs, it's going to have a hell of a lot harder time when number one, you're increasing potential mucus production in those lungs. Help, you're not getting it out quite as well. You're consistently sucking in those deep breaths where you're trying to get all that oxygen in and potentially pulling all that infected material deeper into your lungs, all right, out of your bronchial tubes and into those smaller bronchioles and into those small alveolar sacs if you're really fighting it, all right? Potential heavy breathing may not allow you to cough that up as effectively, so you potentially won't get that stuff out of your lungs. So it's generally not a great idea to jump on the bike if you have a chest cold or some kind of productive cough or some kind of bronchitis or otherwise chest infection. The general rule of thumb, aside from 
above the neck you can go out and ride, below the neck you might want to hold off, is the further into your core you're sort of dealing with that infection, you have that kind of tightness in the chest, that soreness in your chest, the rib soreness from coughing, things like that, you need to back off. That's the more you need to back off, right? So, again, remember as well, a podcast doesn't consist or doesn't create a doctor-patient relationship. If you guys have questions about it, sure, I'd be glad to answer them, but in reality, you really need to consult your GP or your primary or regular doctor to make sure that, hey, doc, this isn't something that's going to mess with me, right? So keep it in mind, all right? Medical advice, go to your doc. I can give you generalized pointers, but I can't really instruct you exactly what you need to do in your own individual situation. But let's talk about getting back on the bike after you've actually already been sick. And getting back on the bike after you've already been sick, again, relates to the length of the illness. So again, if you take a week off because you have a head cold and you're kind of snarfing up some green stuff out of your sinuses, that's not too bad, okay? If you're taking a couple of weeks off, you're taking six to eight weeks off because of a pneumonia or bronchitis, that's a whole different ballgame. Once again, the length of the time determines how you approach this. Let's backpedal just for a hot second here and let's think about this. How does our fitness degrade? Well, the human body is very much a case of use it or lose it, right? So if you're not using your fitness, it's going to start to erode. In what pattern does it begin to erode? Well, it's pretty simple, actually. Your high-end, top-end anaerobic fitness is always going to be the first fitness that degrades with a lack of training. And this, this is an interesting paradigm because even if you were just, say you did a month of sprint training, high-intensity interval training, short intervals, three, in, three minutes, five minutes, and um, Tabata-type intervals, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, you build that really big anaerobic engine. Now, if I take that athlete and I suddenly say, all right, we're going to do a month of nothing but sweet spot training, aerobic basic training, things like that but not do any maintenance work on that higher intensity work, they're going to start losing that high intensity fitness pretty quickly, right? Two systems at work, your anaerobic system, your aerobic system. Your anaerobic system is, I don't want to say fleeting, um, but your, your anaerobic system can be fleeting, okay? Your anaerobic system is very much use it or lose it. Within a week, of not performing any high-end intervals, you're going to start seeing degradation in that high-intensity energy production. Aerobic fitness, on the other hand, is much slower to degrade. It takes weeks to months to see degradation in aerobic fitness. Are you following me? So this makes sense. This is an interesting point here. If I have a head cold that lasts a week, what am I going to start to lose? I'm going to start to lose some anaerobic fitness. If I have pneumonia that lasts eight weeks, I'm going to start losing aerobic fitness on top of that anaerobic fitness. All right. What you need to do when you get back on the bike is evaluate where you were when you got off the bike and where you are now. And you can only evaluate where you are now based on a guess and knowing your body as best as possible. 
recovery takes time and healing takes time. Getting those reserves back up after a prolonged illness can be extremely difficult. Getting those anaerobic reserves back after a short illness is pretty simple. All right. So let's think about this. If your body's not ready to perform at a high level, still trying to heal, it's still trying to recover, you probably shouldn't push it. If your body's only a little bit of time out of that high-level performance, sure, we can consider that, right? So let's consider this. We're going to talk about long-term off-the-bike illness. Because that short-term off-the-bike, you have a head cold, you're out for a week, guess what? Get yourself outside. That first day outside that you're doing those intervals is going to utterly suck. You're going to hate your life. You're going to wish you never did this. But, but... The next one's not so bad. I can promise you this. I've done this many, many times where I've taken a week off, whether it's a vacation, whether it's a trip, whether it's just life getting in the way. You kind of lose that oomph. You get back that first day. It hurts. It's not cool. You're sitting there going, God damn it. What the hell happened? I was doing so well. And then the next day out, you're going, wow, I'm on top of the world. I feel great. Right? So let's focus on the longer duration illness. Let's focus on getting back from that. All right, so take myself. You've been off for six to eight weeks. Let's get back to basics. Let's start with the aerobic work. We're not jumping into the high-intensity interval work. This is a mistake I see a lot of people do. I considered it myself, but I didn't want to do this. You jump into that HIIT training real fast. You're thinking, shit, I really got to make up some of this time. I'm two months behind. I've got, maybe I'm starting racing in May. Maybe I've got an event in April. God, I'm two months behind. I got to get back to it. Don't get caught in that paradigm. Don't panic. If you jump into that high-intensity interval work without any kind of base, your body's not used to working or doing anything except recovering for the past couple of weeks, you're going to relapse, man. And it's not going to be a pretty sight, okay? You jump onto that bike, you hit it too hard, that's going to just provide a breeding ground for an opportunistic infection to hit you and dump you down again, all right? Remember, you lose that high-end fitness first. That high-end fitness was likely starting to degrade after a week. After another seven, dude, it's gone. It's gone. Now, if you want some example of this, my first couple of times I jumped back on the trainer, I hit Zwift, and I was just doing some free riding. I decided, what the hell, man? We're going we're gonna to hit one of these sprints on the London side of things. You know, there's plenty of sprint points in London. I like to sprint. I love that kind of power production. Let's give it a shot. Now, I'm not ashamed to tell you that I've hit, when I was actually training, when I was actually racing on the track, when I was physically working on sprint prowess, I was regularly seeing 13, 14, 1500 watt sprints. That first sprint I did back after being off the bike for more than two months sick, we're talking like a 650 watt max. Yeah, 650 watts. Almost, almost like 900 watts. 850, 800 watts, less than half of what I was putting out previously. And let me tell you, recovery time from just a single, like 15 second effort was not just, you know, 45 seconds. It was a couple minutes. All right? The temptation is there to try and start getting that fitness back first. But remember that that fitness is so far gone. 
that trying to push it is not going to help you. Instead, start with the lower intensity work. Get your body used to riding again. Your body has not been used to pushing additional power. Your body's not been used to doing anything except trying to heal itself up. That's a whole lot easier job than going out and riding 30 miles. I assure you that. So when your body suddenly gets back on the bike and starts to ride again, it's going, what the hell am I doing? I'm not used to this. I'm not, I'm not coordinated for this. I'm my, you know, I'm not used to pushing oxygen through my lungs and getting this to, you need time to adapt. The best adaptations that come from that aerobic work that you're going to start doing after you've been laid off the bike for a while is simple things, simple things like increase in plasma volume. Okay. The increase in the ability to carry oxygen, all right. Increase stroke volume from your heart, which doubles up on that increased plasma volume. All right. An increase in the aerobic enzymatic production within your cells. And what does that mean? That basically means that your muscle cells become more efficient at extracting oxygen from your blood and putting power to those working muscles. All right. Increased energy substrates, increases in intracellular fat, intramuscular fat, intramuscular sugar stores, glycogen stores, increased glycogen stores in the liver. These are all adaptations that come along with that aerobic work. Yeah, maybe you're behind by a couple weeks. Maybe you're behind by a couple months. But what would you rather be, behind by eight weeks now and start doing aerobic work, which you can potentially catch up that high-intensity work later on? Or would you rather try to catch up that high-intensity work now, try to do double duty, and suddenly relapse, and great, you took another three to four weeks off because you got sick again, right? The more you tax your body post-recovery, the more you stress it, the more potential there is to get sick again, and you don't want that. So along the lines of sticking to those more aerobic-style workouts, try to avoid those longer workouts. Take it in much smaller chunks as you start out. As I said, your body's not used to riding a bike. Your body's only used to trying to fight an infection, and there's a big difference between the two. So focus on those shorter efforts. I started with a half-hour block. A half-hour block was an amazing thing for me. It felt like a huge goal. I felt like a complete rock star after I completed a half hour of simple sweet spot training after I was sick for eight weeks. All right. It was a huge marker and you can build on it from there. So allow your body to slowly adapt to being back on the bike and you can get back to those higher intensity workouts fairly soon. Now, what does that shorter workout duration also give you is increased recovery time. The increased recovery time, the decreased intensity of that workout that you did, which was shorter anyway, allows your body to recover fully in between each one. Yes, I know this flies in the face of the tenants that I usually give you, the idea that you get more benefit by being less recovered to some extent, and then you suddenly do a full recovery block and you're back to square one. However, if you're coming off an illness, you actually really need that extra recovery time because your body simply cannot handle the increased stress that you're giving it without that recovery time. So you need those shorter, easier workouts to begin up or to begin getting back on the bike. Now, the other thing that makes a lot of sense here and the thing that most people will forget is on the recovery side, double up on your nutrition, all those stupid little remedies that mom said, you know, Jewish penicillin is chicken soup. It's not a lie, okay? 
your body is going to be craving things to help it recover. It's going to need nutrition. It's going to need hydration. It's going to need refueling after a workout, which you've done that it's not used to doing, quite frankly. Okay? All of those remedies, use them. All right. Proper nutrition is the key during recovery from training, but it's also the key during recovery from illness. Okay. After that first workout, I felt like, holy shit, I'm, I'm smoked. What am I going to do? I'm going to go and I'm going to take a nap. Yeah, I took a nap. You know what else I did? I ate. You know what else I did? I, I rubbed on some magnesium lotion. You know what else I did? I drank some green tea. All these stupid things. All these stupid things that that don't make a lot of sense. They may seem like a very small piece of the puzzle, but most of you have probably heard of Dave Brailsford and marginal gains, whether you believe in marginal gains or not. All right. I'm not going to get into the can of worms that is Team Sky. That's not what I'm here to do this time. But marginal gains can be a real thing. Something as simple as providing magnesium to your muscles and zinc to your body so that it can help fight off any additional infection. It can help kill off some of those free radicals. Some green tea that helps to just soothe the soreness in your chest and kind of just give you some of those antioxidants. It's not a bad thing. And honestly, even if it does nothing, what have you got to lose? All right. The, another, the next thing that's clearly important is drinking. I'm not talking about whiskey, even though having a you know little dram of Glenlivet's probably not feeling like the worst thing that you could do. It's certainly not going to help you recover, honestly, but it, make you, it might make you feel good. I mean, my grandmother was always one of the ones that said, have a hot whiskey, throw on a blanket, and sweat it. Never mind. Um, <laughs> drink extra water throughout those workouts. Drink extra fluids afterwards. Ensure you stay hydrated. Even if you're inside, even if you're doing a half-hour workout, you may not be remiss in using an electrolyte-based drink, only to ensure that you stay hydrated, you stay recovered. All right. Dehydration. And those of you who've raced, especially raced in the summer, in the heat, in the humidity, will know dehydration sucks. Dehydration will suck the life out of you. Okay. In fact, you can see specific performance drops for every 1% in body water that you lose, you can lose up to 5% of your performance. Now imagine the fact you've been sick, you've been either throwing up or there's diarrhea involved or this, you know, otherwise you're not drinking, you're dehydrated anyway. And most people, let's put it this way, most people tend to be somewhat on the dehydrated side regardless. During their day-to-day -day life, even when they're feeling good, even when they're training, most people in their day-to-day -day life tend to be dehydrated to some extent. Dehydration can make you feel worse than you actually are. Now, example, you jump back on the bike after being sick for weeks at a time, and you sweat out a whole bunch of sweat and a whole bunch of minerals and a whole bunch of electrolytes. Now you get off the bike and you feel like complete crap. Now it's going to take you three or four days to recover from that. You know what you need to do? Get yourself a water bottle and start drinking, okay? It will improve your ability to recover. You'll feel better overall, and you'll be able to jump back on the bike more frequently and actually be able to train more, all right? Now, finally, there are a couple of little tips and tricks here that, well, maybe not tips and tricks, but things that people have asked me and it's things that I picked up over the years. One of the things that I picked up recently, recently, I say that recently, in the last couple of years, is the invention of Garmin's 
recovery schedule, whatever you want to call it. Garmin's recovery schedule is an interesting creature. I have a couple of patients who love it. I have a couple of patients who hate it. I have a couple of friends who basically swear by it. I have a couple of friends who poo-poo it and ignore it. Garmin's recovery tool on their edge devices, and, and I believe it started with the might have started with a 500, maybe the 510. I'm not so sure. I, I, I use a 520. I know it's on that. I know it's on the 820. I know it's on the 1000. I don't know if it's on the Phoenix line. I, I don't, triathlon wise, I don't have a whole lot of folks that use the Phoenix for triathlon type stuff. Um, but Garmin does have a recovery tool on their devices. Uh, basically, it pops up after a workout, tells you how long you need to recover. Take that with a very, very significant grain of salt. I actually put that grain of salt in your water bottle. No, I'm kidding. Take that with a grain of salt. That recovery tool is incredibly skewed. For example, a half-hour sweet spot training workout inside, indoors, will tell me that I need to recover for 32 hours to be fully recovered for that. However, when I recently went out and did a 35-mile ride outside, it told me, 15 hours to recover from a 35-mile ride outside with a higher training stress score. So, in theory, should I follow something like that? Honestly, if you're coming off an illness, you're coming off that couple of months down, listen to your body. If you get off the bike and you feel kind of crappy, give it a day. You get back on the bike, and in the first 10 minutes, you don't feel so good. Do yourself a favor. Bag the workout and get out. Work on that recovery, feel better, get back on the bike again and test it. Okay? Don't push it. Don't fight it. Don't try to do more than you can actually do. The more you actually try to fight it, the longer the recovery is going to be, the harder it's going to be to actually get back on the bike, and the harder it's going to be to get riding again. And that's not something that you want to deal with. Because the longer you fight it, the longer you're going to be off, and the more prolonged you're layoff is going to be, the further behind you're going to be, the more stress you're going to be under to try and make it up, and the more mistakes you're going to make, right? So look at it this way. Bottom line here, if you've been sick for any period of time and you're coming back to riding your bike again, treat it like you're starting a fresh start from the beginning of the season. I almost guarantee you, you get sick in the middle of the season, you are laid off for any significant period of time, that fitness will return very quickly. It'll return very quickly because if you're starting at zero, you're going to return fast. If you're thinking you're starting at zero, maybe you're starting at 50, for example, you're going to return that much faster. You'll be able to ramp it up that much faster. But the key point is listen to your body. Do what your body wants. All right. Jens Voigt was famous for saying, shut up legs and do what I tell you. You know what? In this case, you need to sit there and say, body, what do you want from me? All right. I know there's going to be questions about this podcast. Feel free to email them to me, coachrobdc at gmail.com or coachrobdc at tailwind-coaching.com. I'd be glad to answer them for you. Of course, I have to add the disclaimer that none of this constitutes medical advice. There's no doctor-patient relationship here. So I can only give you my recommendations from one cyclist to another with a little bit of knowledge. All right. Until next time, folks, keep the shiny side up, keep the rubber side down. Enjoy getting out there. I hope you stay healthy. And if you don't, take these pieces of advice and use it to get your butt back out there, keeping the shiny side up and the rubber side down. And I'll talk to you again really, really soon.